There's something about a uniform. I guess you could say I went a little crazy when the servicemen started calling. And that's probably why I married two of them. Bill number one gave me six children. Bill number two gave me a headache. <laughs> Turns out you don't really need a man half the time. But if you know a 70-year-old airman, send him my way. New liquid soft gels from NatureMade. The newest way to fuel your greatness. Welcome to A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, a worldwide web event. A New Earth is sponsored in part by Nature Made Liquid Soft Gel Vitamins, the newest way to fuel your greatness. Tonight we're coming to you with a special two-hour finale of our New Earth webcast series. For 10 weeks, we've all met every Monday night for a global conversation. It's been really quite special a global conversation about consciousness from the UK to Hong Kong to Russia to all 50 states here in America. I just again want to say thank you to every one of you for helping us to create this new earth here with Eckhart Tolle and with me. So many of you have written to say that you want this forum to continue. So beginning next Monday, May 12th, I hope you'll join me for the start of my Soul Series webcast here on Oprah.com. For the first time, we'll be broadcasting the videotape sessions of my uh, XM radio show. Many of you didn't know I have a radio show. Yeah, I have a day job, a night job, a middle job, a <laughs> job. Um, it's where I get to talk to spiritual teachers and have been doing so for quite some time. Spiritual teachers and thinkers and scholars about this, my favorite subject, the evolution of our soul. So keep Mondays reserved for Oprah.com. You can begin downloading um, next Monday. Tonight's the last chapter, chapter 10 of a new earth. And uh, before we get started, let's begin with silence. Yes. Would you like to lead us, sir? A moment of stillness. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, as you know, you need to put your attention somewhere in order to find the stillness. The attention needs to move out of the dimension of thinking. Mm -hmm. So we have practiced in the past with putting our attention into the inner feeling of aliveness in the body. Yeah. We've also, I believe, put our attention on our breath, and we've put our attention on sense perceptions, whatever we can see or hear outside. But this time we go one step further, and I suggest this is a little bit more subtle. As we enter this moment of stillness, we put our attention on the fact that we are conscious. In other words, we become aware that there is a light in us, I'm using light metaphorically, a presence, a space of awareness that is pure attention. So instead of being aware of something, our breath or the inner body or sense perceptions, let's just be aware that we are aware. You feel your own presence and become still. Let's be aware that we are aware and become still.
That was good. Yeah. I think even Dean, the stage manager, became aware. Uh, right, Dean? The themes of Chapter 10 are truly um, the culmination, I think, of what all of our work has been about, how to bring consciousness to every moment and to every action of our lives and in the process learning that uh, we are far greater than anything that we could have imagined ourselves to be. So we're going to get started. You talk about the brief history of your life on page 282 the coming into manifestation of the world as its return to the unmanifested, its expansion and contraction. On the previous page, you talked about the Earth uh, expanding, the universe really, expanding and contracting. Those two movements are reflected throughout the universe in many ways, such as in the incessant expansion and contraction of our heart, as well as the inhaling and exhaling of our breath. They're also reflected in the cycles of sleep and wakefulness. Each night without knowing it, I love this. You return to the unmanifested, capital S, source of all life, when you enter the stage of deep, dreamless sleep, and then reemerge again in the morning, replenished. Uh, those two movements, the outgoing and return, are also reflected in each person's life cycles. Out of nowhere, so to speak, you suddenly appear in this world. Birth is followed by expansion. There's not only physical growth, but also growth of knowledge and activities and possessions. This is a time where you're mainly concerned with finding or pursuing your outer purpose. Each person's life, each life form, in fact, represents a world, a unique way in which the universe experiences itself. And when your form dissolves, a world comes to an end out of countless worlds. I thought that was so beautiful. That's the bottom of page 283, everybody. Each person's life, each life form, in fact, represents a world a unique way in which the universe experiences itself. So we are manifestations of the universe experiencing itself as each of us. Yes. And that takes you out of this illusion that all you are is this limited little person. This is a, on the surface of things. You are this person with a name and a form. But in, your, in the depths of your being, you are the universe experiencing itself in this form. And this, just this thought brings about a little shift in the way, way in which you perceive yourself. And everybody else. Yes, yes. We are the universe, or the source of all life, or the creator, or God, whichever name you choose to use, expressing itself in our particular form. Yes, in and through this form. So there's not, uh, people usually perceive themselves as being, this is me, mm -hmm. and there's the universe, right. or the world, and there's the me and the rest of the world. But you are the universe, you are the life. We're the not one separate. Life, not separate. Yeah. Each person's life, each life form, represents a world, a unique way in which the universe experiences itself. And when your form dissolves, a world comes to an end, one of countless worlds. Wow, that's really powerful. So let's talk about the awakening and the return movement. What is the return movement in a person's life? Uh, usually you start off with the outward movement as you grow up and as you go into adolescence and adulthood. You start building your life, you acquire experiences, you acquire knowledge, you acquire possessions, uh, your sphere of 
influence extends, so that's the expansion. You grow, uh, mm-hmm. and usually that goes up to a certain age. It varies from person to person, unless I talk about it also, unless this period of expansion is interrupted by some traumatic event. Mm-hmm. We can come to that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So there's the expansion, and then when people reach a certain age, suddenly a different movement starts. Things, the body is no longer as strong, not working so well anymore. People around you begin to die. They reach a certain age. And so there's another movement that at some point comes into people's lives, which we could call the uh, dissolution of form. It's Mm -hmm. gradually happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, in our culture, we don't like to talk about that. And this is why most old people are hidden away in homes. You rarely see. You have to go to third world countries to really see the reality of what it's human like to live. Yes. And also, we have such a fear of it, and it is, and not just a fear, a disdain for it. So we do everything to make ourselves look younger. Everything is about looking younger, being younger, younger, yes. younger, younger. Yes. Yeah. Now the return movement is is, is also when the, where the spiritual dimension can come into your life very strongly when the form with which perhaps for many years you had been identified, which is the physical form, and the form of my life or the things that you had built up and identified with, mm-hmm. your job, your status, your profession, your, your possessions, and that when that begins to become a little bit shaky, then. It is very often at that point that there's the possibility for the spiritual dimension to come into your life, when when the the solidity of the outer forms is uh, becomes diminished. Right. Uh, so traditionally, in uh, there's still the um, uh, in India, for example, there's still a tradition when a, a, a man reaches a certain age, he. Uh, withdraws from society. He le- he sometimes even some people still practice it, but not so many these days. Mm-hmm. He even leaves his family if he knows that his family is being looked after. Uh, he leaves and becomes a solitary uh, mendicant or monk to in order to go deeply within. Mm-hmm. So that's but you don't need to do that. All we need to be aware is that when the return movement starts, when the forms that you had identified with begin to break down. That is a wonderful time for going back home, for the return movement into spirituality, so that you would become aware of your own consciousness mm-hmm. rather than what consciousness had identified with. That was your life before. You mean form. Form, yes. And so it's sort of the return back to formlessness. Yes, but consciously. It's consciously. a conscious return to, to see where, what is the source of my very being? Mm-hmm. You could say it's you're going, you, 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 when the world begins to become shaky, then you go back to the source out of which it all came, which is God ultimately, God within, mm-hmm. the source within. So there's these, these two movements in, in a person's life. Now, in our civilization, the whole civilization is the outgoing, the outgoing and, the return home. and the return. Now, our civilization is only interested, it seems, in the outgoing movement. People are interested in accumulating, in cre- building up, in creating, making a life for yourself, being successful. Of, of course, that has its place. That's right. fine. What our civilization knows very little about 
is the Rattan movement. You say, then one day, you too disappear. Your armchair is still there, but instead of you sitting in it, there's just an empty space. You went back to where you came from, from just a few years ago. Each person's life, each life form, in fact, represents a world, a unique way in which the universe experiences itself. And when your form dissolves, a world comes to an end, one of countless worlds, the return movement in a person's life, the weakening or dissolution of form, whether through old age, illness, disability, loss, or some kind of personal tragedy, carries great potential for spiritual awakening. That's why you say some older people become sort of luminescent. Yes. Yeah. Some, uh, and others, uh, have a resistance against uh, the return movement. The ego identifies with the weakening body, for example. Mm -hmm. And so negative inner states arise. People become uh, angry or bitter or complain all the time or talk about the past all the time. Then they, they resist what's happening. Yeah, because they can't accept, yes. they, can't, they can't accept which we're going to talk about those three modalities, acceptance, yes. Yes. enjoyment, and enthusiasm. Yes. So here comes this, the acceptance of when old age approaches, the acceptance that this can be also very beautiful if you're open to that. You say because in old age, the emphasis, the top of 286, everybody, because in old age, the emphasis shifts from doing to being, and our civilization, which is lost in doing, knows nothing of being. It asks being, what do you do with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you do with it? <laughs> yeah. But uh, the older you get, the more conscious you become that being is of more value to you than doing. Doing, yes. 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 And the whole point of a new earth is for uh, everybody to realize, no matter what age you are, that being is of more value to us than doing. Yes. And that it's only the being that you bring into your doing that matters. Yes. Yeah. And you don't have to wait for old age for this to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, it can, you can become conscious of this at any age. And then the way in which you interact with the world is very different. Right. 287, when the ego is no longer identified with the return movement in a person's life, old age or approaching death becomes what it's meant to be, an opening into the realm of spirit. And many times, obviously, you don't have to approach death in order to open into the realm of spirit, as so many of you have um, told us in your message boards that this whole book is about opening to the realm of spirit. Okay? You say, in a new earth, on our new earth, old age will be universally recognized and highly valued as a time for the flowering of consciousness. Yes. In a way, we lost it because that was already there in ancient cultures where old age was greatly honored. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, in the Native American culture, a mm -hmm. grand grandmother is it, is it, when somebody is called a grandmother, it's a title of great distinction and everybody has great respect for the grandmother because the grandmother embodies that wisdom, not only wisdom, she also embodies the opening into the realm of spirit, the elder the, the, of, of a tribe, for example. They embody the opening into the realm of spirit and through those old, old people, uh, everybody can contact that realm. So it's very vital to have that. We lost it and now we're, we're going to find that again where, we, where old age is honored rather than looked down upon. So there's the grandmother and I mentioned in the book you have the grandmother of the Native American. The in our civilization, you have the granny. 
<laughs> they right. say the granny at best is cute. Right. But there's no depth to that, right. to how we perceive it. Because we don't honor. No. That dimension is, has virtually disappeared from our civilization, the dimension of depth, the dimension of spirit, the dimension of the sacred, mm -hmm. which is so vital for human life. And what kind of effect does that have on us, not honoring that the, the age and that which is sacred within the age and the depth of that? What kind of effect does that, does that have on us? Well, it means the whole dimension of spirit, which is there, is lost. So we, all our life becomes completely superficial. Mm -hmm. And when life becomes completely superficial, you identify it with the surface movement of your life. And because of that lack of depth, people become very unhappy because there's only these, the surface of their life, possessions, achieving this or that, getting recognition. And role-playing. Role-playing. And also ego. what you call on page 289, I like this, intelligent stupidity. Yes. <laughs> intelligent stupidity. Yes. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, the, uh, an example I give is, for example, you need great intelligence to split the atom. To do that, you but then what do we do with that? We create, a, we make an atom bomb, a destructive weapon out of something that could be a wonderful thing. To, so on the one hand, humans seem very intelligent, and then what they do with that intelligence very often is extremely stupid. Right. It becomes destructive. Because I mean, that's where, that's where, where intelligent stupidity yes. comes in. Yes, and, and that's because the dimension of spirit is missing. Intelligence that's, that is not connected to the deeper dimension of awareness or spirit, whatever you want to call it. And being. Yes, is very destructive. Right. Sooner or later, it becomes destructive. Yes, I love what you say on page 290. This is, as you know, I've read the book now several times. That's why... This should be your new summer read, everybody, because when you go back and read it again, you will find things that you didn't experience the That's first time. Repeated readings, very helpful. Or the second time. Yes. Or the third time. This is what I got the other uh, Just yesterday, I was reading it once again, this chapter. Struggle or stress is a sign that the ego has returned, as are negative reactions when we encounter obstacles. So whenever you encounter obstacles in your life, it is because your, your ego is forefront at the forefront? Yes, it doesn't mean that you don't encounter challenges in right. your life, but to make them into, if you consider a challenge, an obstacle that you need to fight against, that means the ego is there. Right, this is 290. The force behind the ego's wanting creates enemies. That is to say, reaction in the form of an opposing force equal in intensity. That's what an enemy is. The stronger the ego, the stronger the sense of separateness between people. The only actions, this is one of my favorite quotes, I love this. The only, see I've underlined it. <laughs> the only actions that do not cause opposing reactions are those that are aimed at the good of all. Yes, so you no longer separate yourself and say this is, this is my, you consider in whatever you do, you consider the totality or the whole, not just my little needs, but how do I fit into the totality? And so then, this is not no longer karmic action which produces suffering. Right. We're also learning that action, although necessary, is only a secondary factor in manifesting our external reality. The primary factor in creation is consciousness. No matter how active we are, I love this, um, how much effort we make, our state of consciousness 
creates our world. And if there's no change on that inner level, no amount of action will make any difference. Yes. In other words, what you do is always secondary. Who you are is primary. And that means not who you are in the eyes of the world or who you are in the, whatever image you might have yeah. about yourself, but w whether you are connected within yourself with that dimension of being spirit or consciousness. You say it beautifully, 294. It's not what you do, but how you do what you do determines whether or not you are fulfilling your destiny. Yes. It's not what you do, but how you do it. And by that you mean the amount of presence or consciousness you bring to whatever you do. Yes. Another aspect of that is whether whatever you are doing at any given moment, even the most, what the mind would say, insignificant thing, are you doing it in presence or is it just a means to an end because you want to get to some future moment? Right. Just a simple example you could give, you can go to a restaurant and the way in which the waiter puts the plate on your table can be present and conscious and the, immediately you would be affected by that. When Sometimes it happens that you have a waiter who is conscious That's and right. with, with care and attention he or she puts the table there, the plate in front of you. Right. And you can sense a very different energy from a waiter who is just doing his or her job. Absolutely. And he just puts it down. And that's in every aspect. That's yes. going through the toll booth, that's picking up your laundry. Everything. That's standing in line for French fries. That's everything. Yes. People either bring their presence or they don't. Yes. Yeah. And often to, it's a useful thing to remember to check inside yourself to see whether you are making whatever you are doing at this moment, whether it is primarily a means to an end because you want to get somewhere else through what you are doing, or whether you are giving it your fullest attention. I think you're going to have a generation of children growing up with unconscious parents because I recognize this with myself. I've been guilty of it since the Blackberries. Yes, yes. If you're riding in a car with friends yes. or you're any place with friends, everybody, instead of talking now, Everybody's on their Blackberries to see who else is calling. Yes, I've been it's, wondering what they're doing when they go like that. Oh, this is where everybody's writing everybody. You're <laughs> right. Instead of talking to the people who are there with you, you're writing to the people who are not there <laughs> to see what they have to say. That's what everybody's doing. Oh, yes. And, and many times people are now on the cell, their cell phones or they're on their Blackberries and their kids are coming into the room and nobody ever even looks up. And you're not experiencing reality that is around you. You're not experiencing the fullness of life around you. And what you that are is experiencing correct. is a mental abstraction, which is uh, little letters that you're putting in there. It's just mental right. abstraction. You're not even communicating truly with the person that you're sending the message to. Yeah. Because the communication is two or three times removed. You're just sending little ciphers to them. Okay. Well, we're going to get into the three modalities of awakening where you say that unless you are at any given time feeling, having acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm for whatever you're doing, you should stop doing it. Yes. Because if you're not accepting the moment, enjoying the moment, or having enthusiasm for the moment, then you are in one way or another causing suffering. Yes. It's a dysfunctional, you're in a dysfunctional state. Mm -hmm. You're not aligned with the present moment. You're not aligned with yourself. You're not aligned with life. Completely dysfunctional, and then you generate psychic disharmony around you. You make yourself unhappy. Already you're unhappy when right. you're not. Because you can't accept the present moment. And the unhappiness spreads, because when you're unhappy, 
others around you, you make them unhappy too. It spreads right. like a disease. Well, I think, you know, as we um, here are already in Chapter 10, one of the biggest issues that I've heard so many people talk about, and last week a friend of mine started emailing me uh, saying that how, you know, that she was following the classes and that it's very easy to, um, to have this resonate with you, but then when you have to go out into the world and actually deal with people, mm -hmm. that it starts to get difficult. Mm -hmm. And that friend is uh, Skyping us today, who is an actress who has uh, played my daughter in the movie Beloved. Oh. Yes, she's my baby girl. <laughs> Kimberly Elise played my baby girl. Hello, Kimberly. Hi. Hi, who's been reading the book. Kimberly's been reading the book and following the webcast. And, uh, we were t I was trying to email back and forth explaining this in email, and as Eckhart says, emails are, you know, not a, not a, uh, a full form of communication yeah. when you're trying to express yeah. these ideas. So go at it, Kimberly. Okay. So yes, as I was telling Oprah, um, it's been really exciting and enlightening to discuss, in theory, all the different concepts and ideas in the book, and it's, it's, it's been attainable here in this loving cocoon which I live in and, and my book club members live in. But once you go out into the real world and have real life situations, you're presented with a lot of challenges because not everybody's read the book, not everybody's on this journey, not everybody is striving to evolve or have awareness. A simple example, one of um, the book club members works for a very egotistical boss and is very sort of... Um, pushed and uh, has unrealistic demands put upon her, and she's managed to sort of pull herself above it, become witness to the ego she's dealing with and the ego within herself, and um, as a consequence, she's been perceived as sort of lax and dispassionate and disengaged in everything that's going around because everybody else is so in the drama, and she feels her job could be at at stake because she's being viewed this way. That's, a, that's a, an example. So my question is, if we're in the process of evolving our state of consciousness, moving away from our egos and getting closer to our true selves, how do we manage, how, how, how do we manage to maintain this level of, of elevation when you're forced in the real world to live and work with people who come from a strictly egotistical place and don't understand this this awareness level and really can perceive you as being weak. Good. Good question. Good. Yes. Now let's hear what <laughs> Eckhart has to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, uh, we are gradually learning to live from a different state of consciousness. Now you cannot expect to be necessarily to be a master when you meet difficult people and already to be fully in that state of presence. It's a gradual process where you bring presence into your life. And as you invite presence into your life, and at first, don't even, don't even practice with the difficult boss, but leave him alone for a while. At first, you invite presence into your life with small things. When you're at home, one little movement, making tea, making, opening the curtains as you get up, looking out of the window without any judgment, just perceiving the light, the clouds. Bring as much as possible presence into your life 
in simple situations, when you get into your car, you get in, close, close the door, be, be quiet for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, feel the inner body. Many opportunities are there whenever you're waiting. I talk about that in both books, I believe. Whenever you're waiting for something or someone, drop the waiting and be present, be fully there, fully alert, fully accepting of that moment rather than wanting some other moment. Mm -hmm. So, and gradually you grow in presence power or presence power grows in you. And when, as presence power grows in you, you can begin to apply it to slightly challenging situations, which, which normally would have uh, triggered, for example, some slight irritation. Mm -hmm. And there you can observe, oh, that's, there's the old reaction, as you're waiting in line at the supermarket, and you can see the irritation with the cashier or the, whoever is there in, ahead of you, and you can immediately be aware of that and see, well, what's it? It, can, it has no useful function. It does nothing except make me unhappy. And you can then let go of it and be f clear and free and present at that moment. Yeah, I think too, Kim, that one of the things that we all want when you read this and you feel so great, it's like sort of being, uh, you know, when you, you feel so enthusiastic and you want everybody to get it as you get it. Um, it's like developing, a, like developing spiritual muscle. Yes. It's like developing spiritual muscle. You can't go out and lift, you know, the 50-pound weight unless you have also lifted the 25-pound weight and the 10-pound weight. And so you have to start uh, developing the muscle with things that you are more comfortable with. And, the pr and once you've developed a, a strong enough muscle, um, the bosses become, either, the, the unruly bosses become easier to handle. In the beginning, you just can't say, I'm going to go out, I'm going to apply this principle and expect it to work, because you have to have the inner strength in which to deal with it. And also, it comes from a greater awareness, I think, having had unruly bosses in my uh, early years, it comes from a greater awareness of what your real, um, purpose in life is. I remember being in Baltimore in the early days of my career, having a boss who was a complete jerk, who's just a complete jerk. I'd like to use another word for it, but I'll just leave of it. Of course, that's not his true self, but that's on okay. this heavy overlay. Having a boss whose true self was loved and <laughs> innocence and had a wonderful presence, but heavy the overlay. Heavy oh. overlay was oh. the the ego self that he showed mm. daily was a complete jerk. Something inside me knew I wasn't going to be here forever, there forever. Ah. I knew that I could tolerate it, I could deal with it, I could handle it, I could. You know, my place in it was not, I knew he ultimately had no power over me, that I needed to do what was necessary for this particular time in my life. But inside myself, I knew trouble don't last always. And I will not, this, was, this is not going to be the course of my life. This too will pass. This too will pass. <laughs> I knew that this too will pass. And so I could go into the space every day doing what needed to be done as perhaps maybe your friend needs to do, doing what needs to be done, and could do the thing that everybody else couldn't understand. I could offer, give that person what they thought they needed. I could give them, I could create the space for them to be and even um, to show themselves 
to be whoever their ego at that particular time, you know, wanted to be. You see what I'm saying? I do. I do. So as you're, as you're at that higher level of awareness, you're able to look at a situation and see it as just a situation, but not your entire life. Not your my entire not, not your not your entire life, because that person ultimately I knew I'm going to be here for a time. I need to learn this much here, and then I'm going to be gone. And do you believe that there are just some people in this lifetime who will not um, get to this level of awareness, and that you just really have to focus on yourself? Yeah, but that's what and I said to you. That's what I was saying to you in the email. That's not your job to worry about what other people are going to do. Your only role is to be is to concern yourself with yourself. Isn't yes. that true? Oh yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So. Uh, in one thing, uh, as we said, and Oprah called it spiritual muscle. Yeah. And I called it yeah. growing in presence power. It's the same thing. So presence builds up gradually. Right. Um, in the meantime, you can still practice even in difficult situations. It might sometimes work, even if your, your spiritual muscle is not yet highly developed. Uh, if you can remember just the little, uh, little pointer, the little phrase, uh, am I able to accept this moment as it is. Mm -hmm. And if this mo moment comes in the form of this obnoxious person, mm -hmm. then, then you, the question is, can I accept this obnoxious person at this moment? Can I accept this obnoxious person at this moment? Because whatever arises in the present moment, can I be the space for this? Yeah, and if you're mm. able to remove your ego from it, if you're able to take your ego out of it, yes. then it becomes just what it is. Yes. What you were saying, Kim, it becomes just another situation. If you can take your ego out of it, or your friend take the ego out of it, so it's not personal. No. It's not personal at all. No. Yeah, that's what I learned so how to have, do. So we can really take these opportunities that are so challenging as little gifts oh. and opportunities to grow ourselves. Not only that, it is the true, that is the spiritual path. You know, we, we had talked at a previous class about how everybody has their cross to, to bear. And the truth is that when you confront uh, an obnoxious boss or in difficult situations, there, therein lies your opportunity to build the spiritual muscle. Yes. To build this yes. or create uh, or, or allow presence to come through in a way that you get to show who you are instead of being worried about what the other person is doing. Yes. So yeah. difficult people or ego-controlled uh, people have a very important spiritual function in this world. Eventually, they will become so unhappy that they will also go beyond that. But in the meantime, they are there, they are for pra as practice uh, material for others. <laughs> That's right, because if everything was wonderful all the time, you would have no practice, no way to practice There it. would be no growth. That's a good way to look at it. Hey, I love your house, Kim. I hadn't seen your new house. How nice. Yeah, I know you haven't. I know. My you, dog. Oh, my gosh, you have a dog and a fireplace? <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Very cool, BG. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Very, very nice. Very interesting about the practicing of this, the spiritual muscle. Yes. Now, you, you notice when I was calling the, my former a boss a jerk, and you said that's not who he is, do you never encounter um, obnoxious people in oh, your life? No, you do. I encounter obnoxious people. It's a question of looking... Do you have only love for them? Um, not necessarily. Okay, no. good. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's a question of what, did you say? Uh, of 
whether one is able to look through this overlay of ego or heavy pain body, which can be very strong, whether you're able to go <coughs> through that, uh, and it's very hard to describe this process, when you are not judging the person mentally, not calling him or her anything, you still know that this person is obnoxious. Yes. You know that. Yeah. You know, still know that this person is controlled by the ego. You know it even right. without formulating a and concept then, in your yeah. mind. And so, but you also know that beyond there is, there's a being right. that is pure and innocent and as close to God as anybody as anybody uh, so okay is it is it possible to look through the ego in others yeah but but Eckhart you still don't have to want to deal with that person no you may want to remove yourself and, right yeah, and if you if that is uh, possible then that often is the best thing to That's do right because you can still say I can bless you in your beingness yes and but what you're showing me now is not what I want to no. deal with or you can walk out of a job if it's insane, the right. environment is insane, uh, and the more present you are, the more certain you will be about what to do. What to do. Absolutely. But the, what, and we talked about that in one of the sessions, the realization, the realization of what you have to do comes from a powerful but peaceful place when yes. you're present. That's right. So when you're walking out of the office, you're not walking out in anger when it comes through presence, you're walking out you're being you're peaceful with everybody and say, that's it, I'm walking out of here. That's There's it. power, but no negativity. Right. I got that. I and got that. So that's it's beautiful when that happens. When to say, I have had enough. Yes. I have had enough. And that comes from your inner purpose. Yes. As opposed to your outer. Yes. Yeah. Now there may be other situations when you are forced, for some reason, you are forced into now, an extreme example is that you're in an elevator and it gets, the elevator gets stuck. Right. And there you are with an obnoxious person mm -hmm. for one hour in the elevator. Mm -hmm. Or some people are stuck with somebody for some reason. They can't go, leave, leave the situation. You're maybe in a prison or cell. Or lots of people learn they have to keep jobs. Yes. Where they are dealing yes. with bosses who are obnoxious. That's right. Yeah, as we just heard Kimberly say. Yes. You have to keep a job. You have to earn a living for yourself and your family. Yes, and there's a question of accepting that this is where this person is at without getting into reactivity. And resisting it. Resisting it. Right. Yeah. I did it the right, the right way because yes. I was in that situation for quite a long time yes. and literally would ex just accepted it. And I would have friends say, how can you put up with that? How can you tolerate that? Because I know this too shall pass. And so Trouble doesn't last always. Intuitively, I you did intuitively, that. Intuitively, I yes. knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. I remember the same reading. Your friend Maria Shriver wrote a book, and he, she describes her early, some of her early bosses. Dreadful. Yes. yes. But somehow she was able to just say, that's how it is. She also knew she wasn't going to be there for the rest wasn't of her be life. There forever. But for the time being, she kind of this is what I need to accept do. it, and yes, that's right. Kippy is an American uh, who teaches gifted students at an elementary school on a U.S. Air Force base outside Tokyo, Japan, and she's skyping us from her home office with a reading group she started after hearing about our web classes. Is it? How do you say hello in Japanese? Is it konnichiwa? Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. <laughs> konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. <laughs> And mushi. the same to you. Mushy, mushy. 
Whooshy, whooshy. Only on the telephone. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, Kippy, let's start with you. What is your question? Okay, um, Eckert, on page 301, you wrote, enthusiasm means there is a deep enjoyment at what you do plus the added element of a goal or vision that you work toward. My question is, is how can we have goals or visions if we are to always remain in the present? Good question. Mm -hmm. Good, yes. Good question. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so the, the goal or vision, when it's, uh, is inside you as if it were already a reality. And in fact, on some level, it is a reality inside you already. So a, a true, a goal that is uh, powerful, when you're in touch with your own power, is not a goal that you project yourself mentally to and say, I would like to achieve this or that at some future point. I need that, I want that to complete myself. You're reaching out towards that goal. You're losing yourself. You're not present. But if you, are, if you realize that whatever vision you hold is already a reality inside you. I give an example now of the power of now. Before I ever wrote the book, I had this vision of that that book was already, on some level, already there, had already been written. And so I felt all I'm doing is I'm externalizing what's already there. I, but I had this strong inner feeling that the book already exists inside me. Oh. I saw that it as a reality already. I didn't try to achieve writing a book. The book was already there, and all then I had to do was be open to this energy movement coming from within to manifest what was already there on a deeper level. And that's why Jesus said, whenever you ask for anything, believe that you already have received it, and it will be yours. So if you believe that you already have received it, it means it must be already be a reality inside yourself. So you're not coming from lack or scarcity or neediness, because then you're not, there's no power behind your, your vision or your goal. Mm -hmm. You're already coming from fullness. So the goal is already a reality inside. You already feel as if you had it. Right. It's already a reality, and what you feel about it is the fullness that is already there in the present moment. And then, you don't lose yourself, then you are fully there as you begin to respond to this inner impulse. You manifest it in your life, in the present moment. So you're, it's not a future thing, really. A powerful goal, when you visualize, a powerful goal is you're not visualizing in order to achieve something in the future. You're visualizing in order to bring something out that's already inside you. Wow. That's, 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 um, that's powerful, but I can understand why a lot of people would be confused by it, because it's then how do you ever achieve anything in the future? Isn't that what you're saying too, Kippy? Right, right. How do you ever achieve anything in the future? Say, I want to be an actress. There are a lot of people I know at the Bodhi Tree who <laughs> we're gonna you know, talk to later. A lot of people at the Bodhi Tree who you know, have day jobs, but what they really want, I want to be an actress. That's a future goal. I want to be an actor or an actress. Mm -hmm. Or I want to get a job working for yes. you know, a major corporation. Yes. How, how do you, you know, how, how can you not hold that as a vision for yourself? 
You can, but what you're visualizing is not yourself in some future state. The power that, that is there inside you that will manifest externally in time and in the future is already there. Get in touch with the power. What would it feel like if you were an, an actress already successful? What, what does that feel like inside you? And where does the power come from with which you can make a difference in people's lives mm -hmm. when, you are, when you are doing something like that? The, where does the power reside? Yeah, because you say it's, instead of saying I want to be a great actress is how do I use this talent to manifest in such a way that causes people to yes. feel a certain way? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's already a reality inside you and then you can take steps towards implementing that, but it com comes from fullness rather than neediness. The mistake is not finding the place of power that is in the present moment mm. and believing that something else that is not in the present moment is going to bring you to the place of power. Okay. It won't. Okay. I just got it, Kippy. I just got it. What, what, <laughs> I just got it. What he's saying is, is that whatever goal that you have or vision that you have must come from the place of being or consciousness. And if it comes from a place of being or consciousness and not as an external goal that you have for yourself, I think I'm getting it right, right? Mm -hmm. If it comes from being or consciousness, then it comes through you out into the world instead of you reaching out into the world saying, this is what I want for myself. Yes. And so all things, and I can use the example of myself, I have always wanted to do exactly what I'm doing here with all of you tonight. I've always felt that deep inside me, this is what I was meant to do. I was meant to be a teacher. I was meant to use television as a platform for helping people to better know themselves. <clears throat> and when, and knowing that, knowing that deep inside myself is what has helped to bring this into fruition this yes. way. Yes. Instead of saying, you know, one day I want to have a webcast and have a million people on the webcast. Yes. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. I do, yes. yes. That it yes. comes from the inner part of you. There's a feeling uh, that comes from the consciousness part of yourself, the, the being of yourself that says, this is what I now need to do. And that's why you're saying it doesn't matter what you do. No. It's how you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what you do. Everything that you do has to be fueled by consciousness or the spirit of God, which is another way of saying it, mm -hmm. by consciousness or the spirit of God, otherwise it has no real meaning in your life. Yes, and the place of power is in the present moment. That's <clears throat> the vital thing is you can only touch that power in the present moment. That's right. So if you're not... Uh, and so okay. you said last week it's about this step, the step today uh, that it takes to get to the next step, then the next step, and the next step, and the next step. Yes. You don't get there by thinking, no. Let me go, let me, you know. And, and even if you're doing something at the moment that life has given you that doesn't seem to be part of your vision. Your vision. Let's say you are working in a restaurant, but your vision is being a great artist. Right. Or manifesting. You still need to honor whatever it is that you are doing at this moment fully right. and completely because it may, in some way, it may arise out of that. That may also be part of it. That's right. Because every step t leads you to the direction. It's the means and not the end that yes. counts. Yes. It's the means and not the end. Yes. You follow the, that, right, Kip? 
I do. Thank you. Anybody else that want to say anything? There? Hi, ladies. Hi. <laughs> what time is it in Tokyo right now? Is it another day already? It's already, yeah, yes. Yeah. We are living on Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, morning. Tuesday morning. Oh, Tuesday. Well, so in Tokyo, it's tomorrow. It's not the now. So, just in Tokyo. That card made it funny. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have beautiful weather tomorrow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tokyo, it's tomorrow. It's not now. Right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that's interesting because everything always comes back to that same point of whatever sense of presence or being, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, whatever you choose to call it, name, because it doesn't have an ego, mm -hmm. so it doesn't get hung up on yes. what it's being called, yes. that when you bring that into your life, it fuels everything that you do. And as you said last week, the evolutionary impulse of the universe yes. rises up to meet you. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And so the question to ask yourself, it's a very simple question. Am I okay with the present moment? You need to be deeply okay with the present moment to find the power of the present moment, which mm -hmm. is your own power or the power of the universe or the mm -hmm. power of God. Mm -hmm. Am I okay? If you're not okay with the present moment, Let's say you're working in a restaurant, but while you're working in the restaurant, you would rather be somewhere else. You're not empowered. You're only empowered that even while you're working in the restaurant, and for some people, it's, it's their life purpose to work in a restaurant and, and to spread that presence through whatever they do, the people they meet there, and that's yes. beautiful. And what you're saying in, in this book is, is that whatever you do, wherever you do, whatever you do, can have deep meaning and purpose to it and for the rest of the world, if you bring your, your presence yes. to it. Yeah. Yes. yes. And we all have encountered that, the difference between people, whether it's a waiter or the toll booth operator or, you know. Yeah. Yes. In every, in every one of our life circumstances. Okay. Elzbita is joining us from Poland. Did I pronounce your name correctly tonight? Very well, yes. Elzbita. Hello. Elzbita, where she's been Elzbita. downloading all of the webcasts. Hello? Uh, is it Jean Dubre? Hello? Oh. Uh, Jean Dubre. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I want to thank you both for this extraordinary webcast, uh, the greatest uh, book club uh, I've ever seen. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And, What's your question? Uh, I, I'd like to um, ask Eckhart to comment on a certain... Um, quote from a philosopher, Alan Watts, if I may. Yes, please, go ahead. Uh, later I will also have a question, if possible. Go ahead, um, okay, go ahead. Uh, there is a certain pause, that's why it's a little strange. So, uh, the quote is from the book on the taboo against knowing who you are. Um, the most strongly enforced of all known taboos is the taboo against knowing who or what you really are behind the mask of your apparently separate, independent, and isolated ego. Could you please comment on that? Well, the taboo is not a taboo that's... Uh, it's not called a taboo, but our civilization is ignorant of that dimension. And our civilization, to a large extent, is still run by the ego. And the ego does not want to know 
about the deeper dimension of spirit. It feels threatened by that. The ego likes perhaps to, to have an ideology and call that spiritual. It has a certain rigid belief system and says that is spiritual and identifies with that and calls other people enemies or evil who don't agree with that belief system. But so the ego feels threatened by the spiritual dimension within the human being. And it will do unconsciously anything to sabotage the arising of the spiritual dimension in our culture, in civilization, or in human beings. And so you see, these are unconscious reactions. Some people say that what we are doing is evil. These are unconscious re reactions, again, by the ego to protect itself. Wow. You mean some people say what we're doing here is evil? Yes. Yeah. But the, oh, I don't know how it is possible because bringing people to greater presence and to peaceful way to live, how that can be evil, I don't know. But somehow they work yeah. it out in their minds. That this is evil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so this is the, it's an unspoken taboo. Uh, there, are no, there are no laws against spirituality, but the taboo is unspoken. It's underneath the surface of things. And the taboo has been created by the egoic civilization that we inhabit. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, uh, that's very clear to me too, but uh, I think that even though Alan Watts wrote it, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, it still rings true, yes. unfortunately. Um, so my question actually is for those who misinterpret uh, your teachings, uh, could you clarify, do you consider your teachings to be a religion? Uh, certainly not. It's not a religion, it is spiritual, which means this teaching, the truth of it, can be applied within any religion or within no religion. It's, the teaching is in essence spiritual, it's not based on belief systems, it's not based on thoughts, it's based on becoming present and still. And whether you are a Muslim or a Christian or a Buddhist, or uh, what atheist, atheist it, it can be applied in your life. The transformation of consciousness does not depend on your belief system. But it is possible, of course, if you have a rigid belief system, it can stop you from the trans the belief system can sabotage the transformation. But it does not depend the transformation does not depend on whatever belief system you have. Certain belief systems are so rigid that they represent a barrier. Mm -hmm. What do you say to those people, though? I mean, I think that was one of the questions that somebody has tonight about other people who think that what you have written and what we have done here uh, in communicating with people around the world about what you've written is evil. What do you say to that? Well, probably most of them have never looked at the book. Right. And many of them probably have never listened into the webcast. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, because if they, if they truly read a few pages in the book, they would see that uh, there's absolutely nothing that could be interpreted as... As evil. evil. <laughs> as evil. <clears throat> Thank you, Elzbita. Thank you so much. I agree, absolutely. Uh, Oprah, can I also share one aha moment? Just sure, the please. Last thing? Show an aha. Share an aha. Yes, yeah. please. Uh, that would go back to the first chapter on page 12, 
where Eckhart writes about fear, greed, or the desire for power are not the dysfunction, but are created by the dysfunction, which is a deep-seated collective delusion that lies within the mind of each human being. End of quote. Uh, I think that this is a, well, there's lots of great stuff in the book, and there's an aha almost on every page, but this one is very important, I think, because seems to me seeing through the delusion can only when we can see through the delusion can we be really free of fear, greed, and desire for power, which we all share, I'm afraid. <laughs> Thank you, Elzbieta. Thank you for sharing that all the way from Poland tonight. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Beth from Green Bay, Wisconsin, sent in an email that caught my, uh, my attention a few weeks back. I thought it would be great to Skype with her for this last chapter. Hi, Beth. Hi, Oprah. Hi. Hi. Why, Hi. why don't you read us your, your email? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I emailed in. I've been working on this too shall pass, and I've noticed it's much easier to accept that this in my own life situation than it is for the world's life situation. For example, I, I can't be cavalier about teenagers beating each other for video content on the Internet. I can't condone 13-year-old girls having spiritual weddings to much older men. And I cannot just accept that human beings will be tortured and killed for having a different religion, nationality, or skin color. Why is it so much easier to say that's no big deal for me than it is um, for the rest of the world? Why can't I let go of this global anger? You have global anger. Well, that's a good word. That's yeah. a good word for it. But Many people have that. I was going to say, you can be angry for a very long time. <clears throat> You're going to carry that around. But go ahead. <laughs> So have you already dropped anger on a personal level in your own life, being angry at people around you that uh, you experience personally? Um, very rarely do I get angry at anyone else oh. anymore. Mostly it's my kids, but that's, that's just part of their growing up. I've, yeah. I've been able to see that okay. why they're doing what they're doing yes. and have some compassion for them. It's just on a larger uh, scale. Okay. Yes, compassion, yeah. there's an important word. Mm -hmm. I also noticed in your question you used the word condone, which perhaps uh, may be synonymous in your mind with acceptance. Mm -hmm. Condone means to say it's okay to behave in such a way. Then this is not what acceptance is about. Acceptance right. is to see, to simply see what is and to say this is what is right now. This is how these humans behave. This is what they're doing right now. This is what is. And no matter what you think or what, how you judge that, you cannot argue with the fact that this is what is. And that's all acceptance is. It doesn't mean it's okay, I condone it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's to come to an inner acceptance of the isness of life right now and then you can look and then you can see once you have come to an acceptance of what is you also see that yes it is mad you can see it is mad you can come to a place of compassion when you see that all these people are unconscious they don't know what they are doing mm -hmm. so and then you can see evil I mean, there's vast amounts of evil still happening on the planet, which means suffering that humans inflicting on other humans, on other life forms, on the planet itself, 
on nature, all that you can see as manifestations of ignorance, spiritual ignorance, uh, unconsciousness, mm -hmm. ego, collective ego. And so once you see that, you can come to a place of compassion for those people who are still, still controlled by ego and who are acting unconsciously. And also, doesn't it come to that, th that phrase about accepting the things you cannot change, changing the things you can, and having the wisdom to know the difference? And the truth of everything that we've been saying in these past two weeks, Beth, for you and everyone else, is that you begin to change the world by first changing yourself. And so the anger, all of us are putting energy into the world. All of us are putting energy out into the world. And you raise the level of consciousness when you bring consciousness and presence to whatever it is you do. That's how you begin to change the world. In your home right now, what room are you in right now? Uh, wait, this is a spare bedroom. We call it the home office. Okay, in your home office, with your children, in your actions every day, being less ang angry in your personal life really helps diffuse it in the rest of the world. Yes. And people don't see that as a big deal, but if everybody did that, it would, it would, it would be diminished. Yes. You are connected on an unseen level with all other humans. That's right. And whatever energy you put out con contributes to that particular vibration in the collective energy field of humanity. Correct. So if you're putting out anger, then that connects with all the collective anger that is floating on the, around on the planet, which is vast. Uh-huh. It connects and feeds the collective anger. Yes, and so isn't each of us, isn't it for each of us, we're asked to do that which we can do. I mean, I feel this every time I go to Africa, that it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all of the, the massive problems, mm -hmm. you know, encountered in, in that country. You can get easily overwhelmed, and, and so the thing to do is to focus on that which you can change, that which you can have some impact on, and do that as well as you can. Yes. Yeah. One little thing, perhaps, one thing that might seem insignificant, and you mm -hmm. can make a change there. But everything is significant, depending on what presence right. you bring to yes. it. Beth, I hear you've made some big changes since reading A New Earth. Tell us about them. Oh, yes. Um, actually, I picked up A New Earth after my grandmother passed away in January. Um, but some things have been happening along the line that I, I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, I, I left a job that was not good for me in November. Um, I was able to spend more time with my grandmother and we both prepared ourselves for her passing. I've quit smoking. I started running. I eat healthy foods. It's, I'm not even sure who I am anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing. Yes. That's a good thing. But I think uh, the key word here is what Eckhart had said earlier. Uh, Accepting what is going on in the world isn't the same thing as condoning it, because there are a lot of terrible things going on in the world. And no, I, I know, and I don't know if it's because I've been a mom for so long. It's just that I, I want to put myself maybe as a shield in front of these people to offer them some protection. Mm. Um, and, and I don't know if that's my own ego, but it, it doesn't feel like it's my ego. It's like, you know, you people don't deserve this.
You, you deserve to have a better life. You're 13, 14 years old. It's not time for you to have a baby. Are you talking about the polygamous story on the news? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's none of your business right now. What's your business is what's going on in your house right now, Beth. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy to hear Eckhart says that grandmothers are, are going to be respected because I'm going to be a grandmother in July. Oh. Well, I don't know if they'll be respected by July, but we're working well, on it. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. Okay. Thanks for that email. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. I think yes. we got some work to do. Uh, we're going to get. Maybe <laughs> just one. <wanted> uh, <laughs> yeah. We're going to get old age respected by July. We got to get busy. We got to sell some more books. Thanks, Beth. We have a caller from uh, France on the line. Michelle lives in Paris, has a question. Yes, it, hello, Oprah and it, Eckhart. Hello, is it bonjour, uh, bonsoir? I, I actually have a million questions, but I'm only going to ask one. Okay. <laughs> um, one that's actually troubled me for a long time, and I think I can sum it up with a quote from the Bible. Uh, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And for me, I see the rich man as someone who is full of ego and full of mind, which can never enter into consciousness. And... This relates to me and to my question, because I have a very strong and active mind, and it's uh, my greatest asset, perhaps, but it's also my Achilles heel. And when I can reach a place of stillness or awakening, my mind wants to participate. It wants to own the experience, and at some point always succeeds in bringing form to the experience, turning it into a concept trying to understand it, trying to link it with past experiences. And so you speak about this space between ego and, and uh, awareness, and I need, I need to develop that space. I need to be able to step further back from, from my mind. And it's, uh, it's very difficult. The mind's also very cunning, and it deceives me even into believing that I'm actually in that space. What can I do? How can I work on this, uh, <clears throat> this dilemma? Well, the, the mind cannot recognize that space. It doesn't know anything about it. It's completely meaningless to the mind. But from what you are saying, I can see that you already are able to enter that space for how long doesn't matter, but you are already able to have that inner space of stillness inside you. And uh, your mind is almost denying that experience, certainly resisting it. Mm. So first of all, it's the recognition that the most important thing, which is the initial disidentification from the process of thinking, has already happened inside you. That first disidentification from thinking and encountering that dimension of presence or stillness inside yourself that has already happened. Now, the mind is not happy with it. It's, it doesn't want to go there, or it judges it in some way, or the mind says, oh, I, I want to interpret it in some way. Mm -hmm. All you need to be there is, rather than fighting the mind or your thought processes, to recognize thoughts that arise as thoughts. And it's from the place of stillness or spaciousness inside you that you can recognize when thoughts come and say this or that about stillness or about whatever you should be doing something else or whatever they say. You recognize these as 
just another thought mm. and another thought. And when you recognize a thought as a thought, it does no longer, it no longer has this power to power. pull your attention in completely. Right. And so the important thing is not the fact that your mind is highly developed, that can be quite useful at some point when you're not identified with it, you can use your highly developed mind in the service of awareness, mm. in the service of spirit, and that's fine. But in the meantime, it's not being drawn into every thought that arises or even fighting a thought and saying, go away, I want to be still. That doesn't work either. You recognize... It as a threat, I'm giving it power. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. You recognize the mind as mind. You recognize thinking as thinking. So you can then choose to be present when you're walking out in nature, for example, mm -hmm. or when you're sitting alone in your room. You choose to be present, and then you will notice the mind will occasionally try to come in and do or say something about it, or something totally different, or says you should be thinking about something else that's more important than this. And then you can recognize these thoughts as just another thought that arises. You can even say to yourself, oh, there's another thought, and then you mm. get still again. And then the thought comes, oh, there comes another. Not to give the, uh, every thought that arises this importance so that it draws you in, because the mind wants to do that. It wants all your attention, because it's had all your attention for such a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a habit pattern of the mind. It wants to draw in your attention. And all you do is you, you, you take your attention out of the mind. So that's the, really is the process. Thoughts is, the mind is not the enemy. You would never win that fight against the mind if you made the mind into an enemy. The mind is like a, a little a restless child, you could say, or a restless puppy. Mm -hmm. It goes about and then you say, oh, it's just, it's nothing, it's not, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and as we all get, you know, build our spiritual muscle here, <clears throat> we become more and more conscious of our consciousness and recognize when the thoughts are just playing in your mind, and I, I'm sure that started to happen to you already, Michelle. You just said, oh, there's a thought, there's another one, there's another thought. Uh, I mean, I would have to say over the 10 weeks that we've been doing this course, I've become really, really more skilled at, I will think about that later, sort of like Scarlett O'Hara. <laughs> mm -hmm. I won't think about that now, I'll think about that later because this is now, I wanna be present with whatever's going on in this moment, so I'll deal with that at a later time when I choose to set aside time yes. for thinking about that particular thing mm -hmm. yes. instead of just letting my thoughts rule everything yes. all the time. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've been putting much too much effort into keeping my thoughts at bay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Looking just at say, them for what they are. Just then. look at it. Go. Oh, there's another thought. There it is again. Yes. And then the effort should be in keeping yourself in the moment. Of what yes. it be? Mm -hmm. You know, my mantra is: Be here. Be now. Mm. Here be now. Be here be now with yes. whatever's going on. Absolutely. That's yeah. good. Be yes. here be now. Yes. Thank you so Wonderful. much. Wonderful. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Bonsoir. Thank you. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. <laughs> Bonsoir. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about you say that the alignment of your outer purpose with your inner purpose mm. is which we talked about last week. The inner purpose must fuel the outer purpose, otherwise ultimately it's not gonna work for us. Um, but the alignment of our outer purpose with the inner purpose is called awakened doing, and that awakened doing is the next stage in the evolution of consciousness on our planet. There are three modalities of awakened doing. 
acceptance, enjoyment, and enthusiasm. On page 295, you write, each modality represents a certain vibrational frequency of consciousness. That is, um, you need to be vigilant to make sure that one of them operates whenever you are engaged in doing anything at all. This is key, folks. From the most simple task to the most complex, if you are not in a state of either acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm, look closely and you will find that you are creating suffering for yourself and others. So let's explain each one of them. You touched mm -hmm. on it a little bit earlier when you were talking to Kippy, I think, about acceptance does not, no, that was Beth, that acceptance does not mean condonement. It means mm -hmm. I accept this moment for what it is. Yes. And so when you're doing something, uh, you'll be amazed if you become aware of this and observe people around you, how many people are constantly in a state of disharmony because they cannot be in either acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm about what they're doing. You use the, the example in the book of changing a flat tire. Now, you don't have to enjoy changing the flat tire. That you would have reached another level of consciousness yes. where you can enjoy changing it. Yes. Which I'm sure you could. You maybe could change it with enthusiasm. I'll let you know when it happens. <laughs> okay. Okay. But so you don't have to enjoy changing the flat tire, but at least to accept the tire is flat, you will have a much better experience rather than cursing the fact that you've had a flat tire, which yes. is what most people do. Yes. The first time you get the flat tire, everybody goes, damn. Yes. Flat tire. Yes. I can't believe it. And even more so if it's at night in the pouring rain and That's it's right. cold. That's right. Never convenient. No. Yeah. So the question then is, um, you have to check inside to see what what is the inner your inner state of consciousness that you're bringing to this action to whatever you are doing. What is this inner state of consciousness? Am I? What what state am I in? And then often you will. Uh, realize that you are in a state of denial of the present moment. Okay, so you said acceptance, you just said this to Beth, is just saying what is, is. Is, and if this is what I have to do at this moment, then I might as well do it without resistance. And that is the same as if it's a flat tire, or if it is, as my friend Kimberly was saying earlier, with the girl and her boss. Yes. My boss is obnoxious. Yes. That is what is. Yes. I'm not going to change that, so let me figure out how to deal with that. Yes. Yeah. And, and the acceptance really needs to be applied only to the present moment. If the boss is there, sitting there, saying whatever he says, Right. Uh, at this moment, am I able to accept this? Am I bringing acceptance to this? That's now, right. here we are talking more specifically about when you're performing some kind of action. Right. And what is the question is what energy flows into the doing. That's right. That's it, the question. Is it the energy of denial or negativity? And, and once you are, you've developed a little bit of sensitivity, you can very easily tell by observing other people whether the energy that flows into what they do is, is contaminated with negativity or whether it, there is presence or consciousness yeah. that flows. And yeah. Totally qualitative difference is enormous. I mentioned the waiter as an example. How does he put the plate on the table? Is he just doing a job because he wants to get out of there as soon yeah. as possible and just, or just yeah. making a living? Or is he honoring this moment? And by honoring this moment, he's honoring you. He's honoring life. 
and something flows into the simple movement of putting a, a plate on the table, just as one simple example, right. that changes the entire environment around him, too. Yeah. I had this experience this weekend. I had to go somewhere and had to do something, and I was very upset with myself because I hadn't handled my schedule better. So I had to get into, fly into New York, and then I, my schedule started at like 8 o'clock in the morning. I was very upset that I hadn't given more time for myself because I was already exhausted. And I realized that I had to change my attitude, change the frequency, otherwise I was going to affect the outcome yes. of everything I was doing that day if I couldn't have a, have a shift yes. in, in my own perception about the day. So I really literally went and sat with myself in the closet until I could shift my attitude into, well, I must accept the fact that I didn't look out for myself, I didn't prepare better, my schedule is now overcrowded, that's the way it is, how can I move forward and make the best of it? Yes. Yeah. Because I was making myself angrier yes. and, you know, looking for who I could blame. Yes. Yeah. So if, and so if you hadn't done this, the energy of... I realized I was going to ruin my whole day. Yes. And, it and everybody I encountered was going to feel that. And, and everybody that you, everything that you would have done would have not truly been successful because success depends on what energy flows into what you do. Okay. And, and you affect everybody else also with that. And that is why you must change the modality to if you're not accepting, enjoying, or enthusiastic, you need to stop whatever that is and work on changing your mood or don't do it. Yes. Either accept what you do, which is the, the, the primary thing, or don't do it. Remove yourself. Don't do it. But don't contribute negative energy or suffering to this world. I know, but most people are going to say, I'm sure listening, saying, but I had to do it. I had to do it. I have a responsibility. I have to do it. But I don't want to do it. Well, then know that at that moment, it is your choice to create unhappiness for yourself and others. Once you know that that is your choice, it might change. Mm -hmm. Because it's really to, to generate unhappiness for yourself and by implication for others really requires you to be unconscious. Right. But when you make this process conscious and, re and realize at this moment, by resisting what I'm doing, I'm creating suffering for myself. Yes. And probably people around me too. Okay. But and the reason you come into acceptance again is because of the energy that you're bringing into it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. And the next mode of modality for awakening is enjoyment. Yes. No. That's, that's a notch above acceptance. Yes. D a different Frequency, vibrational frequency. Vibrational frequency. Because everything is about vibrational frequency. Yes. People are bringing energy to everything that they do. Yes. Okay. Now, enjoyment is a, a higher frequency. Right. Uh, some things are easier, of course, to do in the state of enjoyment. One might almost say you do them naturally in a state of enjoyment, things that you like doing. Yeah. Uh, I love this quote, Eckhart. On 297, you say, on the new earth, enjoyment will replace wanting as the motivating power behind people's actions. Yes. When's that going to happen? Well, it has not, to... Not by July either, I don't think. Well, not in the collective, but, yeah. but it can happen in the individual already now. Where we do things because we enjoy them. Yes. And not because you want more and want more and want more. Yes. Because so many people have expressed... Um, through the, throughout this class on the message boards and in other areas, how you get more things and get more things and you want more things and want more things, and that leaves you with an empty space. Yes, filling, trying to fill your life up with things 
eventually you come to an empty, an empty space and you feel nothing completely unfulfilled. Right. And so the wanting is the usual thing that comes out, out of the egoic state of scarcity or lack, which right. is always there when the ego uh, predominates. Yeah. There's, so I need that in, in order to fulfill myself, in order to find satisfaction. I need to achieve this in order to be fully myself. This is the underlying assumption. Right, of wanting. And that is the old energy of wanting. So, and so you go out and it becomes very stressful because you're try, trying to arrive at that point. Yes. Always trying to get away from this moment because the next one promises greater fulfillment. Yes. The next one never comes because when it comes, it's the now again, which is a place you want to get away from. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Completely insane, right. but normal. Okay. So getting to the place where you can have enjoyment from things because enjoyment does what? Enjoyment brings an enormous empowerment to what you do and it flows into what you do. And this is the beginning of creativity which comes right. out of that. When the creative power of the universe becomes conscious of itself, it manifests as joy. You don't have to wait for something meaningful to come into your life so that you can finally enjoy what you do. There's more meaning in joy than you will ever need. The waiting to start living syndrome is one of the most common delusions of the unconscious state. That's important because many people are trapped in that delusion. They are waiting for something to come into their lives which will finally give them joy or sense of aliveness. Okay, I love this. 298, everybody. Joy does not come from what you do. It flows into what you do and thus into this world from deep within you. The misperception that joy comes from what you do is normal and is always dangerous because it creates the belief that joy is something that can be derived from something else, such as an activity or thing. Don't people do things that bring them joy? That's what it looks like, but it's the same process that we talked about a little earlier when we talked about manifesting something from within. The joy is there. It comes from the fullness of life that you already sense within you at this moment. Okay, so for example, I have really enjoyed these webcasts. Yes. I've really enjoyed doing these webcasts. And where does the enjoyment come from? From within you. It doesn't come from this table or these lights or the cameras or, or even... Doesn't it come from the community of people out there? I've really enjoyed having all these people join us. But the joy is within you and then it flows out. It reaches everybody. Even through the cameras, it can reach people and trigger joy in others. Can you all feel my joy? Yes, but only within them. So it's their own joy. When they feel your joy, they feel their joy because that's all, it's one. Oh, so they're not feeling my joy? No, there's no such thing as my joy, ultimately. Oh, that's There's right. only joy. It's only our joy. Yes, you could yes. say that. There's our collective joy. Yes, okay. yes. All so right. you see that the... Okay, that is exactly what I'm doing. The misperception that joy comes from what you do is normal, also dangerous, creates a belief that joy is something that can be derived from something else. You then look to the world to bring you joy, to bring you happiness, but it cannot do that. That is why people live in constant frustration. You will only, in the, the, because the world's not giving them what they think they need, you will only enjoy any activity in which you are fully present, any activity that is not just a means to an end. It isn't the action you perform that you really enjoy, but the deep sense of aliveness that flows into it. That aliveness is one with who you are. I got that. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure many people touch that place within as they watch this webcast.
they watch you talking, they watch me talking, and suddenly they feel that, that intense sense of aliveness within. But is that enjoyment That's... the same as um, pleasure? No. It's well, not. Pleasure, pleasure, I asked that question of myself yesterday. Pleasure comes from something without outside of you. Okay. So you derive pleasure from something outside of you. And I ask that because you say, this means that when you enjoy doing something, you're really experiencing the joy of being in its dynamic aspect. That's why anything you enjoy doing connects you with the power behind all creation. Yes. Now, see, I read that and I thought, uh, what about people who enjoy gambling or yeah. enjoy... These are pleasures. Okay. Yeah. Sex or enjoy being yes. sadis sadistic yes. or enjoy or, harming other people. Uh, yes, or, or enjoy the things power that... Of creation are, isn't behind that. Or, or, no, we, we sometimes call that enjoy, but there is no true joy in it. Okay. It's being addicted to a pleasure, something outside that feeds the ego or the okay. plain body. And pleasure, uh, the, by the definition, means pleasing me. Yes. Which would be ego. Yes. Got it. Yes. Got it. Okay, let's go to our New Earth uh, study group that has gathered every week for the past 10 weeks at Borders on Michigan. Hi, everybody in Chicago. We got a warm day in Chicago. Aren't we happy? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know people are out on the beach, 68 degrees. Yes. Put our fun. shorts on at 68 <laughs> degrees here. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm and uh, participation. We talked to Sharon during one of our classes. I think it was around the second web class. And Sharon's standing by now. Here you're going to be making some big changes. Yes, <laughs> I am. What? What happened? Well, just like Eckhart was drawn to California mm -hmm. um, to write uh, Power The now. Power of Now, I, I, I went on idealist.org and just decided to volunteer and someone responded back to me and it's in it's in the Hague in, in Netherlands the thing is is I have to do it it everything has lined up and I'm just drawn to do this I have uh, student loans because I have two graduate degrees and but yet I have all the money I need to do this I have the support of my support system here, um, you know, through conversations I've had with different members of this uh, book club, I realized, gosh, you know what? I really want to do this. I absolutely want to do this. And when I'm not in a space of acceptance, I get scared and I say, this does not make sense. Why am I doing this? I flew to Holland um, last week, no, two weeks ago. I've been back a, a week. And I, I interviewed with the, the gentleman I'm going to be working with. He is an academic. It's, a, it's, an, it's an NGO. And I, I, I connect with him. I, I love what I'm actually doing research now that I'm back. I'm going back. I got an apartment. I'm going to be there for some months, you know, maybe longer. And because I feel drawn to do this. And... I feel encouraged to do this, and things have just unfolded where I can absolutely afford to do this. Then it's all lined up. I was downsized. Up. It's all lined Everything's up. Everything's lined up, and I'm shocked by that. I, I absolutely, <sighs> when I think consciously of it, Oprah, I don't know, this is not my life. This is not my, this never has happened to me before. <laughs> but whenever I, I, 
I go still. By the way, there was a, a, a Nick uh, at the Bodhi tree. Yeah. It, and I, I was sitting in my room in, in uh, Holland crying. Uh, the entire week, I hadn't been able to use my computer because, of course, I used it first day and I ran out of um, my, co the, with, my battery died on me. And downstairs, I troublesho troubleshooted with the. Uh, so why were you crying owner, over Nick? Uh, why were you crying over Nick? Because, because he was talking about what I was feeling. And what, worried about you know, the bills. I need to be earning. I uh. I said. Yeah, I, and, that uh, was a powerful thing that Nick said because I think everybody's mm -hmm. touched by that. I mean, any time ever since that Nick comment two weeks ago, uh, what Eckhart said to Nick about worrying, I haven't had a worry since. I thought, well. I can think about it. I can choose to do something about it, but I don't have to worry about it. I, I thought that well, was absolutely. really powerful for all of us. Really powerful. Yes. It so, was so, powerful. So now you're in a situation, Sharon. Don't question things lining up because that is what is supposed to be happening. And right. that is, right. I will say to everybody who um, is listening to us today, that is what happens when you become more conscious. You get to, you are aware enough to see things line up. Because when you move through the world unconsciously, you can't even see it line up. You're not available to, to, to be a witness to the alignment. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as you become more awakened and the more awakened you become, the more things line up. And you end up moving, with, Oprah, moving with the flow of your life. Right, but here's what's exciting. Whenever, when I sit and I'm quiet, yeah, and I, I just, you know, so I was crying, and I, I, I was able to watch it, um, because I was able to borrow a plug from somebody else in the hotel. That was and alignment right there. <laughs> so it worked. Yeah. Again, it lined up. So it was great. So I'm, I'm sitting on the bed, and I'm crying. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Then, I'm, I'm watching Nick talk. I'm dying of laughter, of course, and I'm, I'm sure they heard me in the next rooms, but. <laughs> I said, wow, this is fantastic. What's really neat is, I, I, after it was over, I shut down the computer and I sat and I said, okay, let's be still. You feel kind of strange about this. You don't feel you deserve this right now. It's, that's really what it was. And I sat for a while and I said, okay, let me just sit with this. If this is what I feel, will it kill me if I don't feel great right now? After that, I stayed up all night and I just smiled, the sunset, you know, the sun came up, I packed slowly, I felt joy, and I have felt joy since coming back, except for driving in to, you know, to this uh, last of our uh, meetings, because I'm going to miss everyone, and I realize also I'm letting go of something is over now for me. I'm not going to be going back into finance, I know that, yeah. um, and well, I want everybody Whatever. to... Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for sharing. I sharing, Sharon. It. Thank you. And thank everybody you. at the Borders for your commitment to this work and our web series. Borders, give yourselves a round of applause there. All our Borders buddies. Oh, can I say one last thing, Oprah? <laughs> yeah. Can I say one last thing? This, by the way, this group of people, I, I so love them. I'm going around saying to everybody, I love you, I love you. This has been the best group. I'm, I'm taking classes. Some people here teach. And I'm taking classes with them. I've spoken to other people and learned so much about not just myself, but about the world. And, and I feel so joined with everyone. 
this has been just the best experience for me, and thank you so much for it. Great, thank you. Thank you again. Uh, thank thank you. you, our Borders buddy. Isn't that the whole point of all of this, is that when you become more awakened, everybody, things begin to flow in your life in a way that they had not before. Yes. And that's what's supposed to be happening. Yes. These, you know, you talk in the book about, you know, serendipitous encounters. I don't think you use the word, but things just start mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. They line up. Yes, yes. You have to be there for this to happen. If you're not there, you have to be there in the now so that life can work for you. Uh-huh. You can't, if you deny life by denying the now, life can't work. It's like sh shutting, closing the shutters. The sun can't come in. Yeah. Uh, the sun doesn't mind, but the sun, why not open the shutters and let the sun shine in, which is, the strange thing is that the, uh, it's when you no longer deny the present moment, then not only do you see all the things that are lining up there to support you, it also means more things are coming into your life. Absolutely. To be of assistance. Absolutely. And so that's wonderful once you... The evolutionary impulse of the universe. Yes, yes. Rises up to me. Yes. It does. Uh, it, yes. it does not mean that you will never again encounter uh, challenges. Right. Or, or if, you have a, if you want to have a certain course of action, you want to go from here to there, always, of course, being conscious that the step you're taking at this moment is the most important step, but you might still want to go from here to there. But it does and, reduce the fear. Oh, yes. It does reduce the fear. Yes. Because you know you can always bring your sense of presence to the, whatever the moment is. Yes. And that you'll be all right. Yes. That's right. And That's as soon right. as you encounter an, a, a, a challenge, not resist it, but immediately come to an acceptance of the new situation and then see how that... It, very often it turns around and becomes actually helpful. Yes. In the same way that a martial arts master always uses the opposing energy. He never, the martial arts master does not fight against. He uses the opponent's energy and gives into it. Mm -hmm. And he wins by not by yielding to the oncoming energy. Knowing how to surrender to, Surre to yes. the oncoming energy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. A question that we get asked all the time is how old is Eckhart? How old are you? This body is 60 years old. Wow. <laughs> and why did you say this body? Well, I don't, I don't feel that I am this age. I mean, if you look within, nobody feels that. It's only if you identify with the body that you believe that you are a certain age. Mm -hmm. The consciousness that I am is ageless. The consciousness that you are is ageless. And you, I'm sure you also feel that there's inside you a consciousness which has nothing to do with the age of That's the physical right. body. Mm -hmm. Do you do something for your skin? <laughs> <laughs> no, these are all the questions that we have to ask at the 10th uh, lesson because people write in well, and they say that Eckhart has such glowy skin. Is there something you do especially for your skin, Eckhart? Well, uh, one confession I need to make here is, well, my skin is usually fine. I'm happy with my skin. But here, yes. we have a very good makeup artist who does something to my skin before I come out here. Really? Yeah, Stella. Stella does. <laughs> 
so you were wearing like a little powder or something. No, whatever. But yeah, yeah, whatever. But, but, but it's my, so my smooth. My skin is fine. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm happy with it. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, if you don't, okay. if you don't accumulate a lot of past inside, then the aging process slows down quite a bit. Really? Say if that you, again. If you do not accumulate a lot of past inside your psyche by hanging on to past, identifying with thy past, deriving your sense of self from past, talking about the past, thinking about the past, then you carry this burden of past. But if you let go of that past and focus primarily on present moment, then the aging process, I believe that, and I've seen it in some people who are present, the aging process of the body actually slows down considerably. Wow. So six, six zero. Oh. Yeah. Your body is six zero oh years old. Yeah. Don't look it. <laughs> you don't do anything like color your hair or anything. No. You don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No Botox. Okay. Yeah. Wouldn't we be just a little disappointed to find out Eckhart, Mr. No Ego, is Botox? <laughs> what is that? What is Botox? Yeah. Never mind. It's too hard to explain what it is. <laughs> What is that? Can't even explain it. Now let's go to Denise, who's Skyping us from her home office in Seattle, Washington. Denise has a question that a lot of viewers have also asked. Denise, go ahead. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Eckhart. Hello. Hi. When I, go, when I go to bed and I'm feeling conscious and aware, why then do I still have nightmares? And do I have an ego while I'm, while I'm sleeping? Good question. Uh, well, some dreams are dreams of that process, things that haven't been faced completely during the day. Mm -hmm. So uh, many kinds of dreams are processing dreams. Mm -hmm. And then there are other dreams that bring up different energies. There can be pain body coming into a dream. Uh, ego can come into the dream because uh, normally in a dream, you're not conscious that you are dreaming. In exceptional circumstances, you may be. I don't know whether you're ever conscious in the dream that you're dreaming, are you? I can't remember. No, probably <laughs> not. Yeah. So um, it is quite possible sometimes for the pain body to come up in a dream, and the character that you represent in the dream is most likely an aspect of your ego. Ego, in a dream, of course, you're completely identified with what's happening in the dream, and th there is usually, and this is why I asked you this question, there's usually an absence of the aware space, where you are aware that you are a character in the dream. And usually, so you can have the awareness in your daily life here, this is what this is all about, is to live in a way so that you have a dimension in your life that in the background of your life, there's always the aware presence. From there, you are conscious of whatever you are doing, whatever your mind is saying. In a dream that's missing, you don't have the level of awareness. Awareness. Unless you're conscious in the dream, which I dream dreams and I'm conscious in the dream. Yes. And I can say, I can be in a dream and then say, oh, I'm dreaming now. Yes. And if it's not a dream I want to be in, I'll say, Got to get out of here. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Or you could say in a dream, okay, I'm dreaming, I can do anything. Yeah, I can do anything. <laughs> I think I'll fly now. But you don't do that in your dreams, right? So the question is whether or not your dreams are your ego. Sometimes they are not. Did you not also say, well, you did say in the book that sometimes when we dream, we go back to source? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, there I talk about dreamless sleep. Because, yes. as you know, when you sleep, you have the dream stage, which right. you go in and out of periodically, and then occasionally you have the deep sleep state of dreamless yeah. sleep. You say that on 282. I read that earlier. Each night, without knowing it, you return to the unmanifested source of all life when you enter the stage of deep dreamless sleep yes. and then reemerge again in the morning, replenish. So you've gone back to source energy yes. there. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's, so it does help. What do you do before going to sleep? Is that when you, the last, let's say the last 20 minutes or so? What, You're what not you... watching the news, are you? No, I'm reading the new earth. And so... Okay. <laughs> okay, but even that... I'm feeling... uh, that's good, but... Even that, I would put it aside just for some minutes before you actually go to sleep so that there can be a space inside you rather than words. And some of the words may actually help you get in touch with that space. But then a time comes when you put the book aside and the best, the most powerful, the most helpful way of going into sleep is by lying on your back flat, mm -hmm. arms stretched out and Put attention into the inner energy field of your body and feel the aliveness from your toes to the tip of your head. Scan your body with your attention a few times and then feel the entire energy field of the body as a single field of energy. And, yeah. and it's very, it's very beautiful yeah. to That has helped me a lot. That's actually, since you said that about three classes ago, has helped me do much better sleeping. What Eckhart is also, I think, emphasizing here for you, Denise, is that being more present uh, in every moment of the day with whatever is going on in your life will allow you to not to have to deal with whatever you didn't deal with um, during the day in your dreams. Because dreams are often the manifestation of your, you know, unconscious or subconscious mind trying to work things out that you didn't fully work out in the day, mm. that you okay. didn't work out. And so, again, the answer is being present with whatever's going on, dealing with whatever needs to be dealt with in the moment so that it doesn't show up later on in your dreams. And I do that particularly if, you know, I, don't, I am not a television watcher because I'm on television like the cobbler's <laughs> children has no shoes, but... Um, if I happen to be in a room and walk into a room and the television's on and it's something, a particularly disturbing image, rather than flip from that image or try to deny that I saw that image, I will literally uh, take it in. I will accept what I have seen and deal with it in my mind so that it doesn't show up later on in a dream and, 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 and frighten me or disturb me. You know, So I try to deal with whatever is going to be disturbing when it is happening so that I don't have to process it later yes you know it's good very good yeah yes. i hope that helps thank you that makes sense thank you well Thanks. thank you thank you because yeah the dreams are just unmanifested stuff yes that you didn't deal with yes yeah occasionally it happens that one has a deeper dream but they tend to be more rare where you ha might have a sudden insight coming mm -hmm. into a dream that you didn't have before a sudden realization or some kind of dream images that come that have a symbolic meaning in your life and are telling you something, that can happen occasionally mm -hmm. also. And that's beautiful when it happens. Well, let's go to the third modality, which is we've talked about acceptance. Yes. If you can't bring acceptance, sure. enjoyment or enthusiasm. And enthusiasm, which uh, is what Kippy from Tokyo had brought up earlier, mm -hmm. is the, the 
the higher vibration mm -hmm. of, of uh, modality for awakening. That whenever you are enthusiastic, that there's something else that comes into play. Yeah. There's an energy field created that's bigger than you are. Uh, yes, it's particularly, it's an energy that is, a, is of, of a creative kind, an energy that creates something, brings something into this world. I wouldn't say it's necessarily of a higher frequency. frequency. It's a more powerful frequency okay. because it, it, it's the outgoing movement that is connected, however, with the source. Yeah. And again, we say that that is the kind of enthusiasm that's just not wild external enthusiasm, but enthusiasm born of the spirit, enthusiasm born of consciousness. Yes. Yeah, we're not just talking about going to a Bears game, standing out there screaming for your team. No, that's, no. that's excitement. Uh, it's a, uh, sometimes the ego sometimes looks for states of excitement like that as substitutes for right. feeling the being. For being. You're out of touch with being, then the ego looks for substitutes. Mm -hmm. And excitement is one of them. Excitement sometimes through the media, through watching a violent film, or uh, excitement through whatever. Um, so acceptance, there, there are no clear dividing lines between these three modalities. Sometimes acceptance suddenly shifts into enjoyment. Mm. And sometimes enjoyment shifts into enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Right. Uh, so if you, let's say you're doing something that before you would have resented, and suddenly you are able to realize, okay, there's resentment and denial inside me. Let's see if I can accept that I have to do this right now. And it, so suddenly you bring acceptance to it. And as you bring acceptance to it, and you're actually beginning to enjoy what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, and that is absolutely true. This thing I had to, was telling you I had to do this weekend, I first was resenting it. I went and sat in the closet with myself so I could change my attitude. I decided I'm going to accept it. And during the process of it, I decided, let me be 100% present and see what happens. If I could just be one, and that was my focus, just to be 100% present. And I started getting a kick out of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what We're I Skyping again with a study group that has gathered at the Bodhi Tree Bookstore in West Hollywood. Hi, everybody. Hi, Hi. Hi, everybody, and Nick. <laughs> Nick. I see Nick there. Okay, <laughs> who's at the microphone? Is that Tatiana? Tatiana. Hi, Tatiana. Has a question? Yes. Okay, go Hi. ahead. Hi. Yes, I do. It's about acceptance. And Eckhart says that uh, acceptance looks like a passive state. And I do have a big problem with that because sometimes I can't... I, I, I feel like I accept what is more and more in my life, but at times I feel like I have to be proactive and I have to do something. And at the same time, I know that I have to step back and, and, and be aware and be in the moment. And that creates even more stress. Like I'm not getting it, like I'm doing it wrong. Uh, and I feel like a loser <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I feel like I'm not getting it. So how do I make it go away? Like this guilt of uh, you should know better. Oh, well, that's an additional question. That's an additional the, question. So yeah. the first one is, Sorry. okay, let's deal with the first part. And the okay. first part is? The first part is that you believe that when you're in a state of acceptance, uh, you are no longer very effective, that you cannot act effectively anymore. Is that what you believe? Absolutely. Well, no, that's not the case. That's a, a wrong view of what acceptance means. and. Uh, this is why we've been talking about 
bringing acceptance into what you are doing so that acceptance is not separate from doing. Acceptance, for it to be complete, true acceptance, needs to flow into the doing rather than take you away from the doing and say, okay, there's nothing I can do. In some cases, of course, there is nothing you can do in certain situations, in which case you simply accept at this moment, there's nothing I can do. There are other situations where you can do something, where doing actually the situation requires you, if you truly respond to the situation in the present moment, it requires you to take action to do something. And yeah. then something for you to experiment with now, from now on, is to see if you bring, can bring this energy field of acceptance and act out of that. So that the action doesn't come out of inner resistance or a neediness. Or denial. Or denial or anger. It comes out of a more peaceful state. And then you will experience how powerful your action can actually be. Yeah, do you, did you get that, Tatiana? That acceptance yes, flows into the doing. I think everybody who uh, is misunderstanding is thinking that acceptance means that I'm saying this moment is okay and so I have to live with it and then do nothing with it or be passive. He's saying you must first, in, in one of the earlier classes, you use the example of the, of the, of the bus in the mud. The wheels are in the mud. Yes, or you are, I'm stuck in the mud. Let's say I'm walking out somewhere, and suddenly I'm stuck in the mud to my knees. You're stuck in the mud to your knees. Yeah. You must first accept that you're stuck in the mud to your knees. You can't curse the fact that you're stuck in the mud to your knees. You can't deny that you're stuck in the mud to your knees. You can't, the energy that you spend wanting not to be stuck in the mud to your knees is all wasted energy. And it gets you stuck more deeply. It gets you stuck more deeply. If you're struggling. You must accept and let the acceptance that you're stuck in the mud on your knees, flow into, now what do I do mm -hmm. to get myself yes. out of the mud? Yes, and this now what do I do is a state of alert attention. Yes. So you, it, and that's a high frequency. It's a state of, it comes up, okay, you, you almost listen. It's not, not an auditory listening, but I'm using the analogy of listening. It's a state of alert attention. What do I do now? And suddenly, okay, there's a moment of space you don't know. And then out of that, you do, the doing arises spontaneously, or a thought comes into your head that tells you what to do. And that'll be empowered. And that's, you practice with little things first, perhaps. Practice with things that usually you don't like doing, so you bring a little bit of resistance to it. Even simple things you might not like going to the supermarket, or you might not like driving to work, or whatever Accepting it is. What is. Accepting what is. That's what, what acceptance is. means. I accept what is in this moment, and now we'll decide what do I do to change this moment. Yes. But I won't deny this moment for what it is, or wish that it and was something else. And I won't feel else. guilty. Yeah. And you won't feel guilty, Tatiana. Oh. Yeah. No, no, yes, now can we come to the second part, or the second question, which is your mind is telling you something that you are not good enough. Yes, like I'm doing it wrong. Yes. So. There's nothing wrong. You're, you now know what to do and don't believe your mind when it tells you you can't do it, you're not good enough. These are things that often the mind will throw up, especially when people try to be present uh, or to become to be still. The mind will say, 
not now because I've too much on my mind. <laughs> I've got too much to think. I can't do it. Not now. Possibly not now. Maybe yeah. tomorrow I'll try again. Yes, yes. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> the mind will always tell you why you cannot be present now, because the mind doesn't like presence, because it's the end of the mind. <laughs> yeah. Tatiana and everybody at the Bodhi Tree, thank you so much. Nick, see what a powerful influence you've had for your, your worrying about your... <laughs> Nick's worried about his yeah. bills. Sharon's in the hotel room crying because Nick's worried about his bills. <laughs> Unbelievable. Everybody at the Bodhi Tree, thank you so much for, for your thank gathering you. and your sense of thank community. You. Bodhi Buddies. Thank you, our Bodhi Buddies. Thank you so much, Tatiana. So do you think that in these 10 weeks we have evolved? I know somebody last week had a problem with the word evolution. <laughs> but do you think in these past weeks, this community, our new tribe, of um, New Earth uh, readers, we've evolved to a higher level of consciousness, a new way of being in the world? Yes, I believe. To creating a new Earth? Yes, I believe for many people it's been uh, an opening so that this... Uh, suddenly this new dimension has come into their lives. And once it has come into your life, there's no going back. Uh, it can be obscured for a while if you mm -hmm. get identified with the mind again mm -hmm. or with the pain body. Because don't you have to work on it all the time? Uh, that helps. Even if you don't work on it, it's there, and eventually something will then happen in your life that will put you back in touch with it. Mm. It could be a crisis. But I, my recommendation is not to wait for a crisis in your life that forces you to become present again, mm -hmm. but to choose presence as much as possible in your daily life to choose the present moment, to always check inside what your relationship is with the present moment, the primordial question. What's my relationship with this moment? Is it friendly or is it dysfunctional? And that tells you everything. If it's dysfunctional, it means your future is going to manifest that. Mm -hmm. If it's friendly, open and accepting, then the so-called future is going to manifest that. It's as simple as that. Do you ever have problems, Eckhart? Do you have problems? No, I don't create problems. Mm -hmm. Challenges happen always. You don't get... Life will always challenge you in one way or another, mm -hmm. and that is good. Mm -hmm. But there's no need to transform the challenges of life into problems by dwelling on things mentally if you cannot take any action at this moment to turn things around in your mind, which is where worry comes in, mm -hmm. related to... Pro worry is problem-making. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the mental problem-making. So I don't have problems, for, not because there are no challenges in my life, because no matter what stage in life you reach, there's always some kind of challenge. Right. Life is designed in that way. Mm -hmm. The world is not here to make you conscious. Sorry, the world is not here to make you happy. Right. It's here to make, make you, you conscious. conscious. Yes. And when you bring consciousness into your life, for all of those who um, have been conflicted over the past weeks about their religious beliefs, when you bring consciousness into your life, what you're really saying is that you're bringing in, allowing the spirit of that which is God to flow through you and be the preeminent force in your life. Yes. Isn't that what you're saying? Yes, yes, yes. It's no longer... The little me. It's not the little me. Yeah. You are connecting yourself to the bigger source, yes. to the source of all things. Yes, and let it then flow.
flow through you. And then this is, for example, where creativity comes into your life. It's all crea true creativity can only come in when you let that dimension into your life. So the source energy manifests through you. And creativity can start with a little thing like even a tiny creative thought or some new way of looking at something is already a sign of creativity. But most important, it's recognizing that when you can be conscious of the consciousness, when you bring the presence of that which is consciousness or the spirit of a higher power or the spirit of God into your life and you allow that to direct your path, that then all things come to you as they should. Yes. Yeah. You, that's how you create the flow. Yes, that's yeah. the flow, entering the flow. Yeah. yeah. And that is how you say um, a new species is arising on the planet. It is arising now and we are it. Yes. Yes. This is such an enormous shift in consciousness that's happening. It's almost, this is why I use that expression, it's almost as if we were transforming into a new species. Mm -hmm. For the first time, a conscious species. It's almost as if humanity was only now beginning to actually wake up. Yes. But Mick, would you share with the rest of the audience at the end of this, um, just before we started this class, uh, I had said a thank you to all the, the crews who made this possible and Oprah.com, all the Oprah.com staff who's worked so hard the past uh, 10 weeks and our book club staff and producers and everybody. Uh, we had a, a thank you to everybody. And Eckhart, because of my, my book <laughs> and the condition of my book, presented me with um, a leather-bound copy of A New Earth. Would you share with them what you wrote in uh, my book? I wrote a little, uh, the little poem that I also quote in chapter 10 by the Persian poet Hafiz, mm -hmm. um, which starts, um, I am a hole in the flute that the Christ's breath moves through. Listen to this music. That's the poem. I am a hole in the flute. I'm not the flute. I'm a hole in the flute that the Christ's breath, God's breath, moves through. Listen to this music. So I wrote this little poem and I said to Oprah, she was a wonderful whole, that energy is moving through her and the world is listening to this music. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Thank uh, you. With this magnificent piece of work that you've given to us through your words. And obviously, you were the whole also. Yes. For which Christ's breath, the breath of God, the breath of all energy and creation flowed through you in order for you to write this. I mean, as I have read it over and over again, now on my fourth reading, I, I marvel at how you were able to put these sentences together in such a way that they connect to have connected to me and to um, all of you all around the world. So yes. thank you for this experience. Thank you. And everybody else, of course, is also that in essence. You are the opening for that dimension to come into this world. That's right. And anything that we do that is creative, 
or is successful or is good comes from that source flowing through us. Yes. It is not of our doing. No. But of the greater doing. Yes. Of consciousness. So I want to thank you all for being a part of this really magnificent journey. It's been um, a part of what I know is my life's calling to be able to be the whole for all of this to flow through. So I especially want to thank you and uh, um, you and Kim for coming to Chicago these past 10 weeks, every single week to share a new earth with all of us. As I said earlier, I uh, really encourage all of you to let this be your summer rereading book. Um, and if you've enjoyed it, you should pass it on. There's no greater gift than sharing it. That's why I wanted to share it with you all. There's no greater gift than sharing it with somebody that you care about and having their lives also be awakened and transformed by the words that point you in the direction of the experience of awakening. So you can all begin to rewatch our webcast this summer. Uh, please join me next Monday, May 12th, for the start of my Soul Series webcast, because so many people said, what do we do now? here on Oprah.com. I'll be talking to Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's the brain scientist who had a catastrophic stroke and experienced much of what we've been talking about in our new Earth webcast. Our Soul Series will continue throughout the summer with spiritual thinkers and authors from every walk of life. So I hope you'll keep Mondays reserved for Oprah.com. Tonight's class will be available on demand tomorrow for free here at Oprah.com. And if you want to download or watch any of our other classes, you can do that tomorrow at Oprah.com and, of course, iTunes. It's free because of the generous support of Nature Made Soft Gel Vitamins. What are we going to do next Monday? <laughs> Another way of people to continue to connect with the energy would be perhaps one is rereading this book, of course, so mm -hmm. not necessarily from the beginning, just opening it some All after the places you've read that it. you've outlined, yeah. Yes. And also, I, there are lots of... Uh, I've done retreats and talks, so on my website people can get talks or retreats and just listening to a talk, a two or three hour talk, can get put you back in touch with the, with the presence. That's right. And you can always download the webcast. Yes. Yes. And uh, we'll be back in the fall. There's no telling what we'll do. That's right. There's no telling. This is just the beginning. So thank you all. And again, as Gandhi said, let's all go out in the world and be the change we want to see. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs>